gathering of the geeks how's it going chris hey it's going well how are you no can't complain it's a it's a good day in the neighborhood as mr rogers would say uh and last <laughs> but certainly not least we have anthony caruso from tis the podcast anthony what is the good word with you today living the dream uh, there we go there we go wow <laughs> or, or or should i say you know it's a barbie world and i'm just living in it well you you did just see uh maybe perhaps a movie of the summer but uh you know, not that that is a DC film by any stretch of the imagination, but it is Warner Brothers. So uh, it is Warner it Brothers, is, and it's keeping uh, it in the house. They, they do have DC Barbies. <laughs> David Saslov, I uh, it is David Saslov, right? It's David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zaslov is probably uh, counting his cash and thanking Greta Gerwig because uh, I'm sure this movie is going to recoup a lot of the money lost from. Barbie to save that. Barbie to the rescue. Barbie to the rescue. (laughs) Does Barbie rescue people? Well, well, is that that the the same as the meme? I think so. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The speaking of um of the of the Flash, Anthony, you uh said that you had a chance to rewatch it now that it is on digital, and uh, just want to put it out there. Have your thoughts changed? Are you uh? Are you still on Team Flash? It's still my favorite DCU DCEU movie. Um, nice. If my thoughts changed at all, it's only now that when I watch it, there's a twinge of sadness based <laughs> on how it performed and all the discourse that is somehow getting worse now that it's released digitally. Yeah, I I, I don't understand it. Um, of course, you know everyone's entitled to their opinion, but uh, I. I I personally think this will be a movie that will eventually go through a, a reevaluation once the the dust has settled. Now, maybe that's the optimist in me. I don't know, but uh, you know, I, I I think some sometimes people are a little little too harsh, a little too harsh. But you know, we won't we won't open that that box again. <laughs> I'll just say I think Diamond just for the Flash, where every movie, highly anticipated movie out there, DC or not. The expectations game is dangerous for audiences. Absolutely. Uh, I've been guilty of it. I'm sure you guys have been guilty of it. Everyone's been guilty of it. I think we all have to get better at managing and tempering our expectations going in rather than going in with a whole wish list of things you want to see. Right. What's the saying, you know, lower your expectations and you won't be disappointed or, or something to that effect. I, I'm I'm crossing over with the Spider-Man No Way Home quote, but yeah, you know, all, <laughs> all all you uh, all you aficionados, you can you can correct me on on the exact line, but you you get the gist. You get the gist. Um, let's see. I know we have some news to cover here today. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, kind of a well slow slow news days uh, to say the least. But uh, we'll just you know give a shout out, of course, because. The uh, the strike is still ongoing. Uh, writers and actors are joining forces together, and uh, certainly we we support them. And hopefully, a deal can be reached that is fair and equitable for all involved. Because ultimately, this this does affect everybody. It's not just the actors, not just the writers. It affects movie theaters, it affects audiences, it affects the entire industry. So hopefully, something can be. Uh, can be reached and, and we can 
and I get back to uh, to making movies and, and to watching movies because it's a it's a trickle down effect. Hopefully sooner rather than later, not just for selfish reasons like I want to see movies next year, which is not resolved soon. The back half of twenty twenty four is going to be very light. But also because these are people's livelihoods. Like, if it's not resolved soon, people are going to really have some serious trouble, like, paying to survive. And that's that's really the crux of the issue. Like, people are trying to survive. That's the main thing. Exactly. Now, it's sad in 2023 we have to be having these discussion, these these marches. But, yeah, here we go again, I guess. Um, I do have a question yeah. for you two regarding the strike. And it's I bring this up because I saw a little bit of uh, posturing on Twitter, I guess, some discussion on Twitter. So 2007, the last writer strike, uh, 2008, 2007, um, whenever, right before that strike went into effect, George Miller's Justice League Mortal was right about to shoot. He had the cast, he had costumes, sets were built, they were all in Australia. Strike hit, and the project was completely scrapped. Do you think, given the Flash's box office performance, given how we have theorized Blue Beetle and Aquaman will probably perform. Do you think if this strike drags on long enough, uh, the powers that be may be like, uh, this brand is losing us more money than making us money. Maybe we just scrap it all, just except for the Batman for the foreseeable future, give it a rest. Like, Do you think there's any danger of that? I don't see that happening. I mean, of course, I I could be completely wrong, and and you know, six months from now we could you know see headlines saying, you know, the DCU is is on hold indefinitely. But no, I I don't think so because the the disappointment of the Flash and the prospective disappointments of Aquaman and 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 Blue Beetle, I I don't necessarily think suggest a a a dark future for the 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 next installments i i think these these next two movies are are still kind of tied with uh you know to borrow the phrase the old regime and and so i i don't think it's going to have a a negative effect i mean again things certainly could change but i i i think Superman legacy is is far enough off in the horizon that I, I think I, I think it weathers the storm. And I think on top of that, you've got a, a break already in 2024 that may be a, a, a an even more welcome pause than than originally thought. I don't think the the strike will affect anything um, regarding like cancellations of anything. What I do think it'll do is likely force some things to move. Yeah. For example, you know, the, the Batman was initially supposed to film in November. Now it's March, but they can't even cast right now. They're yeah. not allowed to. 
Same with Legacy. They can't go forward anymore. Cast announcements. They can't do it. So, and Legacy was supposed to start filming in January. You know, let's say the strike goes on until the into the holidays, which I hope not. These people need to be paid. But yeah. if it does, then of course that's going to move the whole timeline. So no, I don't think anything, anything will be scrapped. But I think there is a chance that everything gets pushed, which that could cause some issues. I'll call. Yeah, I hope, I don't hope everything gets pushed, but between the two, that's obviously the preferable outcome. Uh, But hopefully this is all nuked and a deal is reached soon and James Gunn can go forward with Superman Legacy in January. Take care of your people. Let's get it done. Amen to that. Amen to that. That's it. It's as simple as that. Um, Speaking of casting, though, and announcing casting, we had some, we haven't talked about it, but some pretty big casting announcements for Superman Legacy. Indeed. And, and it seems now, I mean, again, it's just a small sample, but I think we're getting an idea of, of just how l- large may not be the right word, but but how expansive Superman Legacy may be than originally thought i I mean, I know myself, I went into it kind of thinking this would be more uh, you know, confined to Superman's world and, 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 and the people of Metropolis. But by all accounts, James Gunn is, is building out a fully developed DC world, if you will. And uh, yeah, that, 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 that was a, a surprise. I, I was not expecting uh uh, the announcements. I mean, do we want to give our give our immediate reactions or thoughts on some of the uh, some of the casting? Because it, it appears to me that uh, while it hasn't been said, it seems that we are getting at least the starts or the uh, uh, the, the an inkling towards a, a Justice League, if you will, or or some Justice Society. So, I think, oh, sorry, oh. I was just going to say, so if you look at who's been cast, we have Nathan Fillion as Guy Gardner, Isabella Merkhead as Hawkgirl, Anthony Kerrigan as Metamorpho, and Edie Gethke as Mr. Is it Mr. Terrific? Yes, Mr. Terrific. Mr. Terrific, yeah. Um, Now, there is a team in recent comics called the Terrific. Hmm. that is consisted of these characters along with Plastic Man and Phantom Girl. So I would place all the Monopoly money (laughs) right now on those two superheroes also uh, making an appearance of Superman Legacy in some capacity. Um, First of all, I think all four of these actors, actresses are great. I'm the casting took me by complete surprise. Yeah. Like I would have expected to hear about Luther and the Kents mm-hmm. and uh, Perry and Jimmy first, but uh, I'm excited. I and look, James Gunn knows how to handle an ensemble cast, and there's nothing saying they're all going to be main characters. I expect them to be supporting at best, extended cameos at best. Um, Definitely. 
maybe in a vein like you know they try to recruit superman at the end for their team or something um who knows but yeah i think these are great additions to the blooming dc universe i completely agree with that i think that he's got some some good actors chosen so far the seeing metamorpho on film is something i did not expect but (laughs) what a great choice to play him so i'm all in for that i like the choice for hot girl nathan Fillion is i mean you know he's awesome (laughs) and i think he's actually been a lot of people's choice anyway for a green lantern yeah so it's interesting that he got this one uh i'm not too familiar with the guy playing mr terrific other than he was an x-men first class which I, i like um, my thing about the fact that we're getting more characters is if you look at the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, there's a lot of characters in that movie. But half of them get killed and the story continues on without it. it there's no problem with it. it. It's very coherent. Everybody gets their time. So I think when you talk about, well, there's a lot of characters there are, but look at that movie. Mm-hmm. I think the Suicide Squad might be the one to look at when you talk about ensemble cast though and that because he handles it all really well and everybody gets their due i think guardians movies do have smaller casts because it's just really the main team right mm-hmm. that's who you see a lot of but when you look at that there's, there's a lot more people and i think it'll be fine i i do think that it makes sense for the universe to be built around superman instead of any other character also yeah i think it would make sense that these characters come to him or he goes to them either way it just to me that that sounds right. Well, James Gunn also said, real quick, Phil, um, that this is definitely a Superman and Lois-centric story. Yeah. Yeah. They will be the main characters. And he also said, the thing is, Superman comes from two worlds on Earth. He has Lois and Perry and Jimmy on one side, and then he has his the other superheroes on the other side that he deals with and you kind of need both of them like you mm-hmm. can't do a proper full superman movie that exploring both those aspects and his comments uh not that i was worried but they did put me even more at ease when i saw what him explain like his reasoning here i'm more curious and worried that's just me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i want to obviously know more um and sort of like where this is all going to play both in this film's narrative, but in the larger narrative of of this first chapter of, of films. But uh, I, I like that we are getting a fully developed DC world. This is something mm-hmm. we have not seen on screen before. I mean, to have all these heroes interacting with one another. And I mean, it's just going to do a great service for, for world and story building because rather than going through x number of films okay well this person is here and now this person it's like we're kind of getting the heavy lifting done with this film and i mean it just sort of you know tie it all back it it really does put emphasis on just how important this film will be for the dcu going forward because i mean everything is sort of riding on it and i know we've talked about that uh many times before there's a lot of hyperbole online when talking about DC in general. I don't think there's any amount of over-exaggeration uh, 
when we say it's all, you know, Superman legacy has to be a home run. It can't yeah. just be good or okay. It has to be a yeah. hit. My opinion is kind of changing on that, actually. Yeah, I've, been, I've kind of been thinking about this because we've made the comparison to Iron Man a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, Iron Man was popular, but it wasn't like this smash critical darling that every that the critics just enjoyed like unanimously and even general audience members didn't say oh this is the best thing since sliced bread <laughs> i think that it just did really so, well so if superman could just do really well i think that's a good starting point like if people at least go see this movie we've won <laughs> no that that is exactly in right, the wake right. of the flash i kind of think maybe that's the expectation we need as long as people go see it we're okay no i think you're i I agree with that, but of course we, we hope that it's great. Oh no! You, again, you, you, ha, you know, all all those boxes have to be checked. But no, I mean, I think people going to see the, the movie and having a good time is about all you can ask for, really. Is yeah. and having and having a good enough time and liking it enough where they want to see more. That's the key. Yeah. Because you're right about Iron Man. But the magic of Iron Man was, yeah, it wasn't like the best movie. It wasn't the best thing since Slave Spirit. But people loved Robert Downey Jr. in the yeah, role right. and wanted to see more of him. Right. That's so, what they into. Yeah. So if they can do that with David Corn Switch Superman and Rachel Brosnahan's Lois Lane, like you said, we won. Because if they walk it, if we get people to see it, <laughs> but people are just meh about it <laughs> and don't like it, then we're in no better place than we were at the beginning of the DCEU. I'll tell you what, I bet Lois is going to get more love than Clark in this movie. 100%. I said I, that I'm way the minute she was cast. Yeah. I, I think this Lois is going to be a huge deal. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. I do too. And it's like I said the last episode, I think you will see her uh pop up in a lot of projects being the cross connect yeah. between a lot of these films and speaking of shows. speaking of that <laughs> gun said that harcourt is not in legacy so going back to what he said months ago before the casting started only one actor was cast in legacy it's not her so i'm just going to say this for the umpteenth time momoa is lobo in this movie there it is Yes, I, I, I am. I, I'm with you, Chris. I'm gonna be the odd duck then. I'm gonna say economos. <laughs> it's economos. Okay, it could be. It could <laughs> but be. I, I don't think be. they break the pair. I think they they gotta go together. Uh, yeah. Well, that's what I thought until economos oh. has been confirmed for creature commandos, and yes. she hasn't. And she was in Black That's Adam. Right. He wasn't. Yes. So Correct. okay, maybe there's something. I, I maybe well, I'm going to stick with the Lobo thing. No, I because I want to. I want to be right about something. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I. I. I'm with you, Chris. I'm with you. We can. We can either both be right or both be wrong together. We'll. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll see. We'll so. It'll, so it'll two things. Two things that I have gleaned slash i'm excited about this casting one super excited for a live action hawk girl mm-hmm. my justice league lineup has always my preferred lineup yeah. has always included her because i grew up in the animated series and she's yep. a core member of that 
So the fact we're getting her right off the bat couldn't be more thrilled. And the other something I'm guessing if Nathan Fillion is playing Guy Gardner, just like the comics, I think Guy Gardner is going to be the uh, older kind of Green Lantern compared mm-hmm. to we're going to get yeah. the younger John Stewart yeah. and Hal Jordan. He's kind of going to be the vet while yeah. the other two are more, you know, newbies, fly by the seat of their pants. The, rook, the, the Mavericks. The rookies, yeah, <laughs> the Mavericks. There we go. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think that we're getting something like that animated universe. I think that might be one of Gunn's, um, like, I don't know if I want to say goal, but. He did confer, well, because somebody asked him about Nathan Fillion's Guy Gardner. James Gunn did say uh, he will be Guy Gardner throughout the DC universe. So mm-hmm. he's already hinted that we're going to see more of him. It's not like he's going to. So I assume he'll probably be in the Lanterns TV show as well. I, I guess they've all signed those contracts to, you know, we're going to appear in something else and we're going to be in games and cartoons. Games, yeah. I mm-hmm. assume they get like, that's what the, the contracts are going to have on there. Whatever we ask you to do, you're doing it. You're doing everything. So you better be happy playing this character. It's going mean, to be a long time. Or have you seen Iron Man 2? We will row to you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for people like Corrin Sweat and Brosnahan are still pretty young and at the beginnings of their careers, I mean, I'm sure they gladly signed their life away in blood. Like, hey, if I'm getting this iconic role at the start of my career, this is going to make me A-list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why not, right? Um, yeah. I, I did want to say one other thing. Yeah, go ahead. And it's not about the cast, but it's about the movie in general. A certain scooper online, on, on Twitter slash YouTube, who has gone at it with James Gunn in the past, I mm-hmm. won't say her name, just know it rhymes with Mace, uh, I just saw her face in my mind. Thank you. <laughs> she and another one, I forget who the other one was, is claiming they have a complete plot breakdown of the movie and are saying it is basically Black Adam where Superman, there's a problem in the Middle East and Superman and this other team of heroes are conflicting about how to deal with it. And I will just say right now, it's probably it's it, it's not even probably it's bullshit there is superman legacy has got to be the most locked down script right now at warner brothers there's no way grace of all people would get it leaked given how much james gunn despises her so don't i see people freaking out about such rumors don't even give her the time of day that's all i want to say I'm just kind of letting that rattle around for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a harsh my words. Um, yeah. Why? Why would you even come up with this? Like, who knows? Maybe, maybe it's true. Who knows? It, it, like, one in one million chance that it's real. Like, you saw Black Adam. Why would you say, yeah, let's do that again? Let's replicate that. Um, yeah, well, folks. going to be fighting in the Middle East? <laughs> Exactly. There's no way the first Superman movie in a decade, solo Superman, he's going to not be fighting some uh, rogue 
human army in the Middle East instead of an alien invasion of some sort. I don't know how that would fit. I don't know how that would fit in with trying to live up to his Kryptonian heritage either. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, the next two years or or so are, are going to be filled with endless speculation and quote unquote scoopers saying they've got the plot point so we'll just have to buckle down i guess what if the post credit scene for legacy is the rock back as black adam to check on superman <laughs> oh well that's that's the plot twist we all now we're we coming all full circle that, that the hierarchy will be changing <laughs> again that's <laughs> right it's finally going to be changing yeah, yeah. Took a while, but we got there. Or we will get they'll there. Use, they'll use some of the old Black Adams for it too, probably. Yeah, I'll definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't, don't don't believe what you read on the internet, folks. That that's my final that's my final I, word on that. That's probably a good segue to some Aquaman, an article about Aquaman <laughs> and the Lost Kingdom. Speaking of stuff you read on the internet. Lobo <laughs> and the Lost Kingdom. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> what did we think of the the latest? It was Variety, right? No, it was it's Hollywood, Hollywood Reporter. Reporter. Or Hollywood, think, yeah. yeah, so for those who haven't read it, Hollywood Reporter uh, had a story that the movie has gone through three separate reshoots. Was it, was it three? Yeah. Three. Three separate reshoots and two different Batman. And that the producers really believe in it, essentially. <laughs> And also that they cut Batman out completely at this point. Um, that's that's the gist of the article. I, I think it's an interesting one to drop right now. Uh, the timing of it is is kind of interesting. Like, why, first of all? But also, I do like that they're talking about this movie at all. I know. Yeah. I think that's a positive. Let's, let's talk about Aquaman because Aquaman made the bill. It was a billion dollar movie. Whether you liked it, hated it, loved it, whatever, it made money and for the most part was a crowd pleaser. So you would automatically assume the sequel's got to be at that level or close to it or a fraction of that quality. So to hear that they're really trying to get it right, I kind of like it. But on the same token, why did you need to reshoot three different times? That's where I'm at. It's a double-edged sword. I mean, mm -hmm. it's great if they're working out all of the the issues and making the best movie they possibly can, which it may end up being. This may be the surprise hit of the year for DC. Um, But at the same time, I I think if history is a guidepost, too many cooks in the kitchen and reshoot after reshoot does not always spell the best for success uh, with a movie of this of this size and, and and nature so i i guess put me down as skeptical with a with a dash of mild optimism i assume the initial reshoots had to do with making sure they don't connect to the old well, I know they shot from the Keaton and then with Affleck and then they scrapped right. both of those. I don't think it means those scenes. When it, I think when they say reshoots, I think they mean the story stuff. Because those would only be two scenes that they redid. So we're talking about the Batman Keaton stuff. Yeah. Well, then I would hope the reshoots 
are used to tie up the story. No threads left hanging for movies that aren't going to happen. Because Momoa's not carrying on as Aquaman. This movie's not part of the DCU. I know that has not been confirmed yet, but I am willing to bet all my mon- Monopoly money on it. I t- I hope it's, you know, it's now tailored to be a standalone contained story. That's what I'm hoping for. So. I just want it to be good. I think that's what we all want. We just yeah. want to just I, want a good movie. I, I know I keep saying send it to Max, which I fully believe in, but I think that also I, I just want to enjoy an Aquaman movie because I like the first one and I, I love him in um, Sign of Justice League too. Yeah, it, oh. you know, it's just kind of interesting that this movie has had so many road uh, bumps as it has, you know, because you you would have thought this would be an easy slam dunk for them. I know. I mean, you figure it's, again. The first one made a billion dollars and was generally well received. I mean, mm-hmm. again, of course, there's been problems, COVID, and and the the change of uh, of hands at the studio. But I mean, th- th- this is an interesting one. It's taken all these bends and bends and turns. Uh, ho- hopefully, I feel like this I, yeah. is part part of the problem in general with shared universes. Because when you have an unexpected hit on your hand, not that Aquaman was an unexpected hit, but I don't think anybody expected it to make a billion dollars. No. You have to then kind of wait for the next natural point in the overarching story to do a sequel, rather than in non-connected universes. If something makes a billion dollars, the studio is going to ride that audience high and kind of get a sequel out sooner rather than later. Kind of touched on that with Shazam. The first Shazam was very well received by critics and audiences. Didn't make bank, but it was very well received. I think if they had gotten a sequel out sooner, it would have done a lot better than Fury of the Gods. And I think Aquaman 2, I mean, I hope it's a huge success. But I think it would have done better had it come out a lot sooner to the first one. Yeah, I mean the the time delay may may ultimately impact it, regardless of the behind the scenes stuff. I mean, it's been I guess be four years since the since it came out, and yeah, that that may, may that may determine more than anything. Just is the audience still there? Did you know? Do people care enough to go see another Aquaman movie? Yeah, it could decide whether or not he's a marquee character. Because yeah. there's some, like, <clears throat> hypothetically, you know, we had the Batman last year. If we don't see the Batman again, like, the, the sequel for another five years, people will show up because it's Batman. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Dark Knight to Dark Knight Rises, that was four a four-year years. gap, and people showed up yeah. because it's Batman. it's Batman. Or you look at Spider-Man. Spider-Man movies make money no matter how much time in between. Yeah. Yeah, this will, this will determine if Aquaman gets his... Uh... His name on the poster. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. I'm home, you know, I'm hoping for the best, of course. That's all we can at this point. Hope for the best, and then, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, of course, things are moving forward, and yeah, you know, this time next year we'll be a little bit closer to a uh, to a new era for the DCU. I, I would also add, and I'm not a, I don't work in marketing, and I especially don't work for WB, but. 
I would say the smart idea, hypothetically, throw a trailer with Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. It makes it, sense. It, we haven't seen a frame of this movie. We gotta see. You want the general public to see something, and if they're gonna pivot Blue Beetle to be a big film, why not? Because I think um, Warner Brothers. I don't think they have any other big release other than Dune for the rest of the year. Is Wonka theirs? Wonka, yeah. Wonka's yeah, Wonka is theirs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they have wow. Their big their big three movies are out in a two month period. Yeah. So you're gonna want to put all, all three of those trailers most likely with Blue Beetle because that is your send off of the summer. That's right. And we've only got five months till uh, Aquaman's supposed to mm-hmm. release. So Get yeah, some eyes on it. Yeah, no, I mean. As somebody who hosts the year-round Christmas podcast, I can confirm the next five months will go by very quickly. They always do. Once spooky um, season starts, it's over. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, August hits, and then they bring back pumpkin spice in August. So that's it. It's all that's music to my ears, right there. That's music <laughs> to my ears. Uh, but speaking of Blue Beetle, we did get our first reaction from the film. Um, from one second, from Victor Ram, from Victor Ramos Rosado, who is a culture reporter at El Nuevo Dia, and he wrote Blue Beetle is a movie full of heart, a love letter to the multiple ways of being Latino, as epic a celebration of diversity as any major Hollywood superhero production. So that makes me happy that. The, the representation aspect makes me happy. Yeah. And that's one of the main reasons I want this movie to do well. Besides the DC brand, I it's important we finally have a Latino superhero. Oh, no. Representation is absolutely crucial here. Um, no, that, that that's encouraging. I mean, it's it's one review, but that's that's definitely encouraging. And it's it's not like it's saying, well, this is good, but, you know, it's, it's sort of sounds very very strong and uh uh celebratory so the negative pro- here. yeah yeah <laughs> as i have been for blue beetle <laughs> i will be the negative one again i love what they're saying there about the divide the diversity and the culture that it's doing well for that that's what i wanted from it to do also i want that to you know i would hope it finds that audience and they have their own hero that they could look up to and see themselves that's important but that review, the review doesn't really say anything about the movie itself. Ah, that's a fair point. You're right, Chris. Very You're very right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? It sounds great. I no, like it's what like, they're saying, but it's a they lot didn't of say it's full of talk. heart. It's full of heart. Sure. So is <laughs> Little Rascals. Does that mean it's a good movie? Yeah. No, Chris. You're you're right about that. You're. Again, I, I know I, I'm the negative one. The no, but I can't argue with that. Either. I no, I mean it's it it sounds happy and it sounds upbeat, but you are right. I mean, there's no one saying in that review this is the greatest comic book movie of all time. So, or even that it's a a good. It just says it. What was it saying? Anything? It it stands up with the rest of them. The production. No, it said. Uh... As epic a celebration of diversity as any major Hollywood superhero production, and I, I feel like that Jeff Goldblum meme, uh, Jeff Goldblum meme, 
And there it is. There it is. <laughs> Actually, I'm surprised we haven't gotten more reactions because it premiered tonight in Puerto Rico. Oh, did it? Oh, That's okay. why this reaction came out. Yep. Stay tuned. I'll be that. negative beta later. <laughs> Chris, I can't wait for this movie to premiere and you to come on the review show being its biggest defender. And I hope I am. <laughs> I know. <laughs> It may have. Really hope I, yeah, I hope I love this thing because there's been a lot of you know, comic movies I've walked into thinking, oh, I'm not gonna like this. I probably I'm gonna give it a shot, but it doesn't look like my cup of tea, and I love them. Like Guardians of the Galaxy, I didn't think I was gonna like it, or okay. um, you know, even even Aquaman. Actually, to be honest, it's like I don't think I was gonna like this, but I did. So. This this could be the surprise hit, a sleeper hit. Although, yeah, I will have to. Um, admit a lot and then talk you know if i if i do like this movie we'll see right <laughs> stay tuned folks stay tuned i mean we did get that second trailer too so yeah that's when reality starts to creep in. a little bit of reality yeah i don't think we reacted to that on this show and frankly listeners not to put words in chris and phil's mouth here but that's because there's really nothing to react to. If there is a definition of meh, it's a trailer. I believe those were Chris's words. Those... I actually called it a meh salad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so. a lot of ingredients that do not work for me. Yeah, cosine. I do like the effects, though. I thought I think the effects, yeah. the suit looks... The nice. suit is very cool. Yes. It, yeah. That is that is a nice a nice standout. And the toys look really good too and the statues. So. Oh yeah. yeah. So we can find we can find positive here, you know. We really put our minds to it. Uh, so I have a positive about a certain actor who may also be carrying over into the DCU. After I just uh you know, went on my little rant about Grace, a scooper who is normally very accurate. Uh, Casey Walsh um, is hearing rumors that Joe Mangiello's Deathstroke uh, may be used in Waller or Peacemaker Season 2. I fully believe that. That guy is coming back. I hope so. I fully believe Deathstroke is coming regardless. He's on yeah, that poster. De- Deathstroke that- is coming. Yeah, we will see. we'll see him. But I think Waller is where we're going to see him and I cannot wait for him to play this character. Because he likes the character a lot, and the glimpse we had from Snyder's version that was pretty cool. I know, or I, I don't know who was it Snyder or Affleck that chose him. I'm not really sure how that worked because he was going to be the the villain he, for the Batman. For the Batman movie. Yeah. So I I don't know who actually cast him, but either way, he likes it. He's enthusiastic. I like what we've seen of him. He looks really cool in that suit. And the suit mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, I'm sure they'll have a new suit, but it, it looked really good. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I expect the new suits some... to look more uh, not spandexy, but less armory. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of in I, that I, comic book tradition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's like Deadpool, but I would imagine something close to what we've already. I mean, we've seen Dead uh, Deathstroke on screen in a few different things already, mm-hmm. and usually he is fairly armored. There's some positive right there. I'm looking forward to it, actually. I, I really, 
I, that's a rumor I fully believe we're getting hit. Yeah, I know. I it makes sense. It makes absolute sense, and a perfect especially, place to bring him on Waller. Yes, especially if you've seen my adventures with Superman. Oh, we haven't we, actually talked about that yet. Is it? We've all seen it, right? I, I've not seen the newest episode. No, no. What do you guys think of it? So I'll uh, I will say this. I started out I I wasn't a big fan of of the first one. I it was I I'll admit I had Superman the animated series on the brain and 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 kind of went in thinking it would be that. It's certainly not that, but I'm glad that I have I have stayed with it because it is charming and and I like what Jack Wade is doing. Uh, there's certainly a there's an earnestness and a I don't know if quirky is the right word, but it, it's a it's a real how do I want to put this? It's a fun performance. It's a fun performance, and I'm I, I'm delighted that this exists because looking back on it. We've had what one Superman animated show that's just Superman in what the last twenty five years. So I'm glad this exists. I'm sticking with it. Uh, this is a, this is a case of don't judge the book by the cover. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm in love with the show, but I, it, it it holds my interest. Don't. It's not for me. Okay. I I went in. I I I'm up to date, and and I have continued watching thus far ju- just because I hoped my opinion would change. Uh, it hasn't. It's just, it's just not for me. The animation style and just the the kiddiness of it. But I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad this family friendly version exists for children as a gateway into the DCU. We need more content like this, so I'm happy for everyone enjoying it. It's just not my cup of tea. I really like it a lot. <laughs> I think <laughs> that it is... I like the the like the tone of it. I love the colors. It's very bright. It's, it's happy. <laughs> I like the performances in it. I like the way Clark is depicted right now. He's still kind of figuring stuff out, which I didn't expect. I thought the way he gets the suit was very clever. The clip of it that came out before was taken out of context, and I was like, what is this? I was worried he's going to do that every time he gets the suit. Thankfully, that's not what it is. <laughs> uh, I think the action's cool. I mean, I just I just like it a lot. Um, the only thing I, I would say I don't love is I did not know that was Deathstroke. If I didn't have subtitles <laughs> on, I would not have known that was Deathstroke. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a design thing. Yeah. You know, the overall story <clears throat> is cool. Like I said, the action is really neat. And I, one of the things I like about it a lot, actually, is the way Jimmy is used. Mm. I think it was a cool idea to make them roommates, uh, Clark and Jimmy. I think that's a really cool idea. And, and to, for them to have such a bond, I like it. Yeah, that was it. That is a unique way to go with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't mind that being the case in the DCU. Yes, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I wouldn't mind some cherry picking going on here. 
that, yeah, that, and that's a cool thing. I, I would say Jimmy is probably the real standout for me on this show. You know, not that you know, you know, Jimmy's a forgettable character, but you know, depending on what it, you know iteration of, of of the character you've seen, either in the comics or uh, in various shows or even movies, he's almost like an afterthought. I mean, at least mm-hmm. that's how I view him. But uh, th- this felt like a an attempt to make him a more rounded and fleshed out character, and I think the roommate aspect kind of enhances that versus just like okay you know here's you know pal jimmy tagging along mm-hmm. again like it's it's he feels a part of the team if that makes sense they are a team that's yeah that's, that's a, a neat thing about it and i gotta be honest i'm not actually a big fan of jimmy and other stuff i think jimmy is kind of useless i get that superman needs a friend right but i feel like he's got lois for that yeah so i generally i don't really care for jimmy to be there i mean he's using some stories really well so i'm not saying as a whole i hate jimmy olsen i don't know <laughs> <laughs> just i prefer when he has a, like a purpose or some kind of connection to whatever's going on and in yeah. this case this is a cool, cool idea i like this it's unique mm. there we go my adventures with superman we are all torn on it <laughs> we're all torn we're all torn there we go chris is the most yep. enthusiastic i'm middle of the road and anthony didn't quite cut it, but that's okay. My adventure with Superman is dead. <laughs> Bury it. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> pretty much uh, got through those episodes like, man, oof, I'm glad this is a pre-gun thing because I'd be very worried. <laughs> has it been renewed for a second season? It has been. That's what I thought. So. Yeah, I, I think this and um, was it called Cape Crusader? Cape yes. Crusader, yeah. They've both been already renewed for two seasons. I think that's probably the part of the deal when they sold them or leased them off to. Uh, yeah, that makes company. sense. A couple seasons worth, but yeah, I imagine Cape Crusader will be wildly different in tone and style. Yeah, no, I, if I it mean, actually exists, we'll see. I know it's it's sort of a mystery at this point. I mean, I you hear rumors of it, but it almost seems like a sighting of Bigfoot or uh, UFO <laughs> or something. Like, yeah, we all had like leaks of the design. Yeah, it's it, nothing official. This, I mean, mm-hmm. just that one image that seems to float around every so often but the I'm one guessing with the cape it's, over his face yeah well there there was the full body shot too but it was a leak yeah yeah nothing the joker too the joker leaked yeah it was on the same with the uh full oh, body shot it was like double i don't know if you saw did you see that one he looks a little yeah. older maybe i forgot it <laughs> <laughs> so i remember seeing the full body batman but i don't remember seeing the joker you know what? Maybe the Joker was for that other, more family-friendly Batman show. That might have been what it was. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. got it. Yep. Which is funny, because I hate the designs for that, but the Joker actually looked pretty cool. <laughs> I, I guess. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I remember I everybody kind of looking goofy in that. Like, when I think goofy-looking Joker, my mind goes to the Batmans, the, the animated Batman. Where he had the, the with the really like long hair and the tomato oh, eyes, right? Where yeah. he looked like an ape. Yeah, and he kind of moved like one. Yep, he was barefoot. Yeah, which I still don't understand. Was, I think they. I think that was probably design. because uh, in asylums, when you think you're going to hurt yourself, right? They take away the shoes because of the laces. Yeah, but he escaped the asylum in the first episode. <laughs> 
Yeah, before that first season, his whole costume is also like a straight jacket. It is. It? it is. Yeah. yeah. And then when they upgrade him, you think, okay, now he'll have, he'll have shoes that look like the joke. No shoes. No. <laughs> no. He had the spats, but no shoes. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. he looks the best in the Batman versus Dracula. Just saying. Agreed. Well, that was very cool. That was fantastic. I need to rewatch that. <laughs> yeah, that's actually yeah. a really good film. That's the spooky season episode. I was going to say, there we go. Oh. There's, there's our Halloween episode. Batman versus Dracula. You know I'm all for these themed episodes. There we for go. For the holidays. There we go. And uh, Christmas with the Joker in December. So. Uh, they are perfect. Yeah. yeah. Still uh-huh. still waiting for uh, them to do a Batman Noel animated film. Oh, that would be it. awesome. I found this on the web. Yeah. That would be awesome. I'll start manifesting that now. See you guys on Thursday. Yeah. Oh, I was about to say it's Thursday, but it's not. It's only Wednesday. Yeah. I'm disappointed. I know. <laughs> Very early. <laughs> was that all for uh, quote unquote breaking news? Or we we had more there to discuss than I thought we would. Honestly, yeah. No, I was I was pleased. Just when you think there isn't news, there is news. You never know. That's right. The funny world we live in. Hmm, speaking of speaking of which, speaking of which, uh, we just had an anniversary uh, yesterday, actually July eighteenth. It was fifteen years to the day that the Dark Knight made its made its theatrical premiere, and the world has uh, the world has never been the same. Comic movies have never been the same. Batman has never been the same. Uh, Folks want to want to revisit the the build up to the Dark Knight. Maybe share our thoughts on the film and uh, sort of fifteen years uh, fifteen years later reactions as well. I think the hype for me the, the hype for this movie started the second Batman Begins ended because <laughs> we saw the Joker card and whether Nolan intended to make the sequel or not is has been a a source of a whole other debate for years. I don't even want to get into it. But, <laughs> but seeing that card to me meant, okay, the Joker is coming. He is here. The Joker is coming. And that was enough to keep my wheel spinning until we got the actual announcement of it. And it was just such a cool time to be a fan. And I was completely into it. Um, and during the production, I, I, I followed like everything we could as long as it wasn't spoilery. I remember when Ledger was cast and as it does, the internet lost its shit, <laughs> you know? And at the time, I think I'd seen Brokeback Mountain already. So I was like, oh, that's an excellent idea. And then we got the first picture of him, which I did not like. But, you know, that, that whole time period between the announcement and the release was magic. Yeah, I'll uh, copy and paste a lot of what they said, a lot of what Chris just said. Uh, my anticipation for this movie started at the end of Batman Begins too. I uh, I remember being like hyped out of my mind when Batman turned that card over and he says, "I'll look into it." And then I remember people getting confused and being like, "Oh, it's a prequel to Batman '89." This is a. I'm like, no, it's not, guys. <laughs> it's really not. Um. But the whole marketing campaign for The Dark Knight, I followed from the beginning. Mm. 
I, I didn't take part in a lot of the scavenger hunts and stuff that they did with the I believe in Harvey Dent stuff and, you know, uh, Joker cards everywhere. But I was following all that online. That was so cool. Um, I, like you, Chris, was excited when they announced Heath Ledger because I saw him in Brokeback Mountain. I thought he was great. Uh, I saw him in 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> thought he was great. Yeah. And um, I thought also. Yeah, oh, I love A Knight's Tale. Oh, that's um, a great moment. So I had no reservations about him. I thought maybe he was a little out of the box, but I was like, this guy can act. He's going to knock yeah. you out of the park. Uh, then I saw that first picture. I was like, oh, this looks a little too gritty for the <laughs> Joker. Uh, and I was not a fan. But then that trailer, dude, I remember the teaser trailer where it's literally just dialogue. It's a mm-hmm. Bat logo forms on screen and you just hear the laugh at the end of it i'm like oh like that's still one of the best teasers of all time and then we when we finally got our first glimpse of heath ledger in costume during the theatrical trailer i was like okay this guy yeah you could tell from the trailer he was gonna blow people away um i went at midnight back then before when things released at midnight instead of 7 p.m. the previous night. I went mm-hmm. at midnight uh, with my father, sold out IMAX showing. And I remember the palpable, you could tell it was something special. You tell it was the scene of the magic trick mm-hmm. where the Joker impales somebody on the pencil. He's like, ta da, it's gone. You could cut the tension with a knife in that theater. People didn't know whether to laugh, whether it was like, I and I just remember me and my dad exchanging a look at that scene, and we both you could tell like you're both thinking the same thing. Like this guy, it's, it's incredible. Like ah, this movie's perfect. It's the perfect Batman movie, and it deserves all the accolades and all its reputation and everything that it's gotten over the years. So. I mean, I, I will co-sign to both of those points because there's not much more that I can add other than to say the film is a masterpiece and The Dark Knight is the best. It'll always be the best in my eyes. But the the hype for it, the lead up to that film, I've never had an experience like that with any other movie past and, and, and since. It was... It was an event leading up to that film. And I mean, I got so invested in it. I mean, it shows you what time I had on my hands. I crafted like a countdown calendar with post-it notes and like wrote out like quotes from the trailers. I mean, I, I really went to painstaking effort to to psych myself up for this movie. And every day I'm pulling off the, the post-it note till it was finally the day of. And I mean, that's still the the greatest opening night experience uh, for any film. I mean, you could hear the audience reaction from the international space station. I mean, when that truck flipped between, it was almost like a religious moment. It really was just the, the cheers and and the applause. And I mean, I swear to God, people were, were, were crying. I mean, it was such a powerful movie. And then when, of course, when it ends and it's this, jaw-dropping twist in a way with Batman becoming becoming the villain, you know, in the eyes of, of Gotham and yet 
him riding off into the night. I mean, just magnificent. I mean, I it's a it's an overused word, but it's cinema. It's 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 damn cinema. I'm sorry, but it is the truck mm-hmm. scene. Not only the reaction to the flip, but when the tumbler gets destroyed. Yeah. And you just and you, all the buttons are fla- all the screens are flashing, and Batman just looks annoyed. And then you just hear the tumbler say goodbye, yeah. and the bike pops out. <laughs> the reaction in the audience. Priceless. Oh man. Yep. I if there was one movie going experience, I wish I could experience it the first time again. It would be that with that crowd because no I've never seen a crowd that reactive. There was an energy, and I'm sure you felt it at your theater, uh, theaters as well. But there was an energy. Everybody was in sync. It wasn't like it was one of those crowds where you've got that ob- obnoxious person who's just laughing at everything or screaming when they shouldn't be or cheering at the awkward moments. Like everybody was. It, again, I, I it was almost like a religious experience. I mean, everybody was just in sync with one another and just sort of feeding off of the energy. And and it, it literally from the moment the the movie started right to the the credits rolled. I mean, everybody was was in awe of what was on screen. I'm still in awe of it. You know, 15 years later. I remember the midnight screening I went to. Um... You know, at the time, of course, you couldn't buy the tickets online, so you had to go to the theater. So I went to the theater that afternoon. I bought the tickets for myself and my friends, whether they wanted to go or not. I just got them. (laughs) And it got, it was so big that night. I went to see it at a 30 auditorium theater, which is a gigantic building. And so what happened was there was such a demand for the movie, instead of showing on the initial two screens they had planned, which were the largest theaters, the largest auditoriums in the theater, they expanded to about half the entire theater. Wow. And so what happened was each one of those became sold out. So you had so many people in one spot to see one movie. And when it ended, the flood of people that came, it was like a concert just went out. <laughs> and, and everybody was in sync. That night was nuts. I remember um, we were leaving the theater and as, as people tend to do, they copy what they just saw. There was idiots hanging out of their cars like the Joker. <laughs> you know, p- people were doing all kinds of stuff, and it was just a different kind of opening night. And, you know, <clears throat> you said you yeah, haven't been to a, an opening like that since, and I agree. I have not seen an opening like this since. The Dark Knight was a special event. <laughs> Even the Batman I- did not have that. I will have to share a. Uh, I went dressed in full makeup as the Joker that night for a midnight <laughs> premiere. I'll have to share it on our social media feeds. But I mean, I mean, talk about a pop culture icon. That Halloween, you couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't walk down the street without seeing like five guys dressed as the Joker. I was yeah. one of those. Still yep. raise his them. hand too. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the the Office, the TV show, is at its peak. That oh, that's during right. that time, that's and right, the cold yeah. open for their Halloween episode that year had three. The joke was three of the guys in the office dressed as Heath Ledger's Joker. Like it's, it's still one of the top Halloween costumes. Like you, you see Joker costumes, and they're I would say ninety percent Ledger Joker oh, costumes. Yeah. Oh, definitely. 
I don't think you see as many standard just the Joker costumes. No, I mean, every Halloween party that I have gone to in the years since the film, if someone dresses up like the Joker, it's always going to be the Heath Ledger Joker. And again, here we are, you know, 15 years later and people are still, you know, the crude smile, you know, it's all, it's all there. I mean, yeah, I've Even seen Comic-Con. people with tattoos. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's to well, say com- this movie had you know had an impact would be a would be an understatement. Well, to your point, we were kind of talking about this on, offline before we were recording. Uh, it had an impact. You know, people are still dressing as Heath Ledger's Joker, but it's also now the comic book, the popular comic book take on the Joker. Yeah. Because Heath Ledger was so iconic in the role, disappeared so fully into the role, redefined what the Joker was and could be, that his his portrayal has become the popular characterization for and look for the character in comic books now. You know, part of it is because, <clears throat> I know we're going to get more into this when we get to the movie itself, but Ledger was able to get all the different versions of the Joker we've seen and roll them into one performance. He's not just the trickster. He's not yeah. just the menace. He does them all with with a certain perfection that you just don't see often from any performance. Mm. And, and I will say, without Heath Ledger's Joker and it redefining the character in the public's mind, you don't get Joaquin Phoenix's Joker in 2019. I mean, again, even right there, even though it's a separate universe, it's a separate character, the fact that he puts on his makeup, I mean, that that to me says it all uh, just in terms of the impact of that uh, of that performance, the impact of uh, uh, of that character. Well, he was so. It was a very similar I mean, not to take away from anything Joaquin did. They no, both no, won no, Oscars no. for the role. Oh, th- exactly. But um, it was very similar portrayal in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, Joaquin obviously leaned into the more mental illness aspect, but yeah. I mean, to the point where general audiences thought that was a prequel to the oh, Dark Knight. Not seriously. I mean, again, they're separate universes, they're separate movies, but like, you know, in my own mind, you could literally put both characters side by side and you could see how Phoenix is, becomes the ledger. I mean, like, it, it's that imprinted on our collective consciousness. And, I mean, again, I, every time something about the Joker is written, whether it's an article or a, uh, you know, something online, how many times have you seen why so serious attached to it or, or some line from this particular, you know, from this movie? I mean, uh, let's th- put that's, a smile on that face. Exactly. Do you want to know how I got these scars? That's shown up in the comics. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Or one of your favorite gifts. Uh, and here we Here go. we go. I mean, <laughs> that, and it's a funny world we live in. I mean, I, I'm yeah. always quoting that, you know, I mean, 15 <laughs> years later, I mean, here we go. I mean, it's, it's part of my lexicon <laughs> and jargon, but no, I mean, it's, it's, there are not many films that have that kind of cultural staying power all the years later. You know what I mean? Like, especially now in this era of countless comic book movies, 
I mean, just from rewatching it last night, you really see how special the Dark Knight is, and and how. I mean, I I, I will say it for myself: no comic book movie since then has has matched or even has surpassed or even matched the Dark Knight. It's yeah, I mean, it's a lightning in a bottle moment that. I mean, you you know, you never say never, but I I think it will be a long time before a comic book movie comes along that that you know even even shakes hands with the Dark Knight, let alone you know run runs past it. I mean, that's that's what happens, you know, when when you when you change things forever. And I and I hope we do get a comic book movie that surpasses it, or another Batman movie that surpasses it. That's the hope, right? That, that again, getting better and better. This is what you want to aim for. Yeah, this is a. I think the Batman Two has the, the, that might do it. Yeah, no, I mean, if if anybody can can uh, take a swing at it, it's it's Matt Reeves and uh, and Robert Pattinson. So we'll, especially, I mean, not to directly compare the two, but we may be getting the Joker and Harvey Dent together in a movie again. I know. And if rumors are to be believed, yeah. Harvey, you know, might be the villain. So, who knows? I mean, and then we also get to deal with the fun argument: Is this a remake of The Dark Knight? I know, just like oh, is, yeah. was The Dark Knight a remake of Batman '89? Right. History you... repeats itself. I know. Round we go. Mm-hmm. I actually, that's a good segue because we spent a lot of time on Heath Ledger and. Oftentimes, Aaron Eckhart gets overlooked, but his portrayal of Harvey Dent and Two Face is masterful as well. And yeah, I mean, look, you're up against a force of nature here with Heath Ledger's Joker, right? But in any other, if you took Heath Ledger out of the equation, people would be raving about. People do rave about it, but just not to the extent I think they should. And I think if Heath Ledger wasn't in that movie, you know he would be cemented in pop culture in our in the minds of general audiences as much as Heath Ledger has become. I I love his performance. I, I would even go as far to say I think it might be a definitive two-faced portrayal for me. And if I was to be crafting a a Mount Rushmore of, of Batman movie villains I, I think I would definitely have Aaron Eckhart on there. I mean, it's it's a tragic and haunting performance that, again, you know, while it's not necessarily you know the Two Face from the comics that we all know. I mean, it's not um, you know what what we may be used to for the film's purposes, for the story's purposes, for a, a script that that drew heavily from the Long Halloween. I mean, it's all there. It, it is all there, and it, it it gives it such an emotional weight and an ultimate payoff by the end of it. And you know, while yeah, I would have loved to have seen Eckhart continue and and you know play Two Face and and really develop him into a uh, you know into the criminal mastermind that that we know from the comics. What we got is is something special, and and you're absolutely right, Anthony. It, it doesn't get enough enough praise because it, it is really a uh, just an incredible and transformational performance and I mean again I'll say it, I would put him up on Mount Rushmore of, of Batman movie villains I, I think it is that 
solid and and, and terrifying of a performance. With me, you know, as far as like if I were to rank Batman villains, number one is of course the Joker, but number two, no pun intended, is <laughs> Harvey Dent. I absolutely love the character of Harvey Dent. <laughs> He's my number two, and so I, I, we talked a lot about the Joker leading up to the release, but I was incredibly jazzed to have Harvey Dent in the movie too, and especially Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent because I liked him from um, Thank You for Smoking. Hmm. Yeah, he's terrific in that. That's a great movie. And so I was like, okay, that's going to be Harvey Dent. Yes. (laughs) And his performance, you know, I could see that Nolan had a real idea to make you connect with him because it works. You do connect with Harvey Dent in this movie. And that's a tribute to Aaron Eckhart's performance. It's real. He feels like a real guy that you want to sympathize with. Like, okay, that is Gotham's white knight. And it makes his transformation that much better. When you, when you get that first look at him in the hospital with Gordon, yeah, I mean, you're amazed, of course, Chris, uh, Christopher Nolan did it. He made him look like Two-Face. But there's well, also that, that, look how far this guy has come. Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. And that's what I wanted, to, I, was, I wanted to bring up, and you beat me to it, Chris. Like, a lot of people say, oh, Nolan's Batman is too realistic. He mm-hmm. went full there with Two-Face. Yeah. Which I don't think anyone was expecting to go that far. I was expecting like a burned face, kind of like a Freddy Krueger, like yeah, remake I was, look. <laughs> I, I was expecting Mel Gibson, Man Without a Face. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, okay, he's gonna like that. That's fine. And I, I, I don't know about you guys, I didn't see the look fully until the movie. Same. Until that night. Same. Um, I'd seen the toy, but the toy was not a really good representation of him. It, it that is was one hell of a reveal. It, oh my god, that that scene in the hospital is fantastic, and and the CGI. I mean, again, it's it's part makeup, part CGI. Mm-hmm. It holds up incredibly well. Fifteen years mm-hmm. later, like, I mean, you'd like to think we you know we make advances and and things could be more even more realistic. I, I mean, this is. I mean. If you didn't know it was part CGI, you would think this was just incredible prosthetics and and, and makeup and movie magic. I mean, it's that Even the convinced. Eye. The eye. I, I noticed that last night. It's like, wait, that you know that that is CGI. You know, like it's not some kind of a. Yeah, no, it's a, not a, a what gets me, thing. What gets me every time is when he takes a shot, and mm-hmm. because he's I know it drips the jaw, it drips down. I love that. Such little, little detail. Yeah. And it looks so good. Even like, um, you know, in the comics, we don't even see this, but you can see the bone in his jaw through the scar yeah. tissue. It's yeah. gross and it's beautiful at the same time. It's fantastic. Yeah, it, it was. And then, you know, that final scene with him and Gordon's kids, he is like purely evil there. Like that oh, yeah. is Two-Face. That's Two-Face. Complete. Yeah. Yes. I love, I love his performance so much. And you know, as a fan of both of them, it, it's really cool that I get, I have them in one film together. <laughs> Even yeah. that scene they have together, you know? Oh. And, and you made a great point on Twitter, Phil, when you said what the best scene in the movie is just two people talking. And yeah. I was, as I was re-watching it last night, I was thinking to myself, actually, every scene where it's just two people or any They're, people talking You're right. is incredible. Like, 
I'm a huge fan of the scene at the restaurant when uh, Harvey and oh, Rachel yeah. on the date and Bruce comes. That's one of my favorite scenes in the movie. That's it's just them talking. Well, one of my favorite scenes of the movie is Bruce and Alfred. Like when when they're running the facial recognition on the Joker, mm-hmm. it's try and Alfred's talking about uh the tangerines, the yeah. bandits of the tangerines. The size of a tangerine. That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. I mean, Michael Caine's performance as Alfred just blows me out of the water, but yeah. he's my favorite Alfred. Yeah, he's the Alfred to, to beat for me. He really yeah. is the best. He is the best. What other scene was it? Uh, it'll come to me, but what I noticed watching it last night, there is tremendous payoff with each scene. Like, there is not an ounce of fat in this movie. It is a straightforward, lean thriller, crime epic, you know, pick your adjective, and everything builds to the next. I mean, from the first shot with the bank robbery, I mean, we go zero to a hundred, and we don't stop until the end. And it's not like you lose your focus, or it, it's like okay, the pace is too much. It's it's a, it's just a constant acceleration, and it's, I mean, just imagine the best roller coaster ride, but yet you can see all the attractions while you're while you're having a great time. So. I do have two nitpicks with the film. I, I know we're not going to get into too many of those because we all love the film. But <laughs> since you brought it up, the oh, movie, no. I think it the, like the last 30 minutes, it starts to feel a little bit long. But the weird thing is, I, I don't know if this even qualifies as a, as a nitpick because of this, but the weird thing is, I don't even know what I would trim or cut because it it works. Even though it feels like it's slowing down, something about it, it's still engaging, you know? Mm. I, I, you know the the boat stuff. Maybe that could be short. Maybe, maybe there's, there's too much on the boats. But either way, it, it just slows down just enough for me to notice it. But it's not enough for me to say, "Man, I don't like this." <laughs> you, you know what it is for me, Chris. I don't even think the boat stuff needs to be trimmed down. I think he could have cast better extras for the boat. That could be it too. They're really like stereotypical kind of people in those in those. They're, they're very. I felt like a lot of them are over the top. Like, yes. like, yeah. Just give it to me. I'll do it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those get their hands people dirty. out there had their chance. <laughs> I'm an angry Wall Street guy. Give me the trigger. <laughs> um. Was I oh, did it bother? I felt like Chris Nolan, and I know a few people have mentioned this over the years, but I feel like he missed a chance to make uh, Maroney's character or, or the mob boss's character, Eric Roberts's character, Maroney, the yeah. Penguin, Oswald Cobblepot. Just a way to like get another Batman villain there. He could have just been a mob boss, like Colin Farrell type. That now was over the, the top. Rumor. Yeah, like before this movie came out, there were so many rumors about who was going to be in, who wasn't re- going to be in. Yeah, it. I remember. The, I remember the penguin's name kept popping up. I think even Harley's name was popping the up. The blonde that's that's in the at the, the club. club. Everybody yeah. thought that's Harley. That's Harley. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. not Harley. She yeah. has one line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. They also thought Harley was Juno Temple in Dark Knight Rises. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. that. That's another one. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, Mar Maroney could I, I guess you could have used the penguin instead, but I really like um, Eric Roberts' performance as Maroney. I think he's he's also over the top, but it fits for it him. It works. Yeah, it, 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 all the all the mobsters were like characters. Oh yeah, and, and I think that's <laughs> a fun thing about the movie. As serious as it is, and as gritty as a crime thriller, you do have these fun like the Chechen. It, that's the thing. I I always have to sort of roll my eyes when people say, "Oh, it's it's such a humorless movie," and it's like, really, like maybe we were watching a separate thing, but like. You said, Chris. Like, I mean, those characters. I mean, yeah, they're they're caricatures in a lot of ways, but there's some humor and, and levity in those moments. I mean, again, it may be dark, twisted humor, but I mean, the magic trick scene. I mean, that's I I still you know oddly chuckle at that. I mean, it's just it's like I I, I always sort of scratch my head when people are like, oh, it's not a, a you know, there's no humor in this movie. It's like, well. I don't think you want a bunch of, you know, gags in a Batman movie. You know, we we tried that once, you know. It, it didn't work out well. But, I mean, this also has just, like, full-on jokes. Like, yeah. the, the scene where Rachel gives Alfred the letter. When will I know it's the right time? It's not sealed. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> and a lot or of the it is... Oh. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, when, when um, Bruce is saying he's going to tell that the government or whatever that it was Alfred's idea for Batman. Yeah. Yeah, or when Har when Harvey Dent meets your Alfred, right? Any crazy ex boyfriends I should know oh, about? Yeah. Oh, you yeah. have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> or the panic room thing in that same sequence. Yeah, yeah. that's right. No, like the but, humor sort of comes out of the characters. You know, it's mm -hmm. not like they're stopping and like it. Not it's to, not knee slappers. Exactly. That's it. That's it. Yeah. But as funny as it, the film is, because I agree, there is a lot of natural humor in the film. I admire how they didn't shy away from the dark parts one of my mm -hmm. favorite scenes of the jokers of heath ledgers is when batman and gordon are racing to save heart and rachel <laughs> and the joker's sitting in the interrogation room just trying to goad the cop into mm -hmm. attacking him he's like how many of your friends have i killed like you know, you know why I use a knife, a gun, a knife. Guns are too quick. You can't see the little emotions on their face. Like that whole monologue he does is just perfection, and like creepy as hell too. That's why I was saying like he rolls every version we've seen of the character into one. Yeah, it's yeah. just seamless the way he plays them in each scene. Yep, and he was just brilliant too. I mean, when you think of the mayor naming Gordon commissioner and mm -hmm. the Joker's clapping in the cell. That was improvised on Heath Ledger's mm -hmm. part, which is amazing. No, that was brilliant. That was brilliant. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, again, 15 years later, we're still talking about it, but again, even though I've seen the movie more times than I can count, and I, I I'm still transfixed by his performance, and there's still like little things you can pull out with each viewing. I mean, just mannerisms or the head tilts or even just the fact that, yeah, the character is supposed to be crazy, but he's always in control mm -hmm. in every scene, in every situation, he's always in control. And I mean, it, it's brilliantly terrifying uh, at the same time. And I think as an audience, at first, you don't think he knows what he's doing because yeah. we're, we're buying what he's saying at face value. Exactly. Like, okay, yeah, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just doing stuff. 
Got him. Yeah. No, he had everything worked out, yeah. which was pr- a pretty brilliant move to show the Joker as such a intelligent adversary, mm-hmm. and says it's just a buffoon with laughing gas. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, not to to knock on on Nicholson by any stretch, but it's apples and oranges when you mm-hmm. compare just the performances. And you know, again, I think there's a reason why we're still talking about his now all these years later, because there's just, there's just so much there, there. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a comic book villain, but there's a reality to it that in many ways, you know, seems like it's ripped right from the headlines of, you know, TV or the newspapers in some ways, which is, you don't want to see Ledger's Joker in an alley. No, I know. Seriously. Seriously, you didn't turn right around. Yeah, he, he's not one you want to <laughs> play cards with. No, no, exactly. It, it's funny, though, because I think everybody focuses on Ledger, and we, we mentioned Earhart also, but Bale really gets left in the dust a lot of time when we discuss The Dark Knight, but this, I think, is Bale's best performance in the Co-sign. three movies. Co-sign. Agreed. He, he gives a lot here. And it's not just when he's in the suit, because when he's in the suit, he actually does some really good stuff too. Like when he falls and he has a conversation, I should do it. And he's barely breathing, essentially. That's good stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But even the simple simple things, like going back to the restaurant scene, the look on his face as he listens to Harvey talk or the subtle thing um, at the penthouse party when he throws the drink over the... Oh, the railing. Yeah. The railing. That's, that's a, I'm sure that was in the script, but it's still cool to see him do it. And then the way he he doesn't like snap into a personality. He's just Bruce at that point. Yeah. He's talking to Rachel. Well, the way he, his speech to Harvey, how he's trans the speech about Harvey at his penthouse yeah. party, how he transitions into the playboy Bruce, but then the real Bruce comes through as he's talking as about soon as that drink goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then how he's Batman without the suit, like when the Joker takes over and he's walk- disassembles a gun, like yeah. as he knocks a guy out. I love, love that. that part. Oh, that's a great moment. You know, Bale does fantastic work in this movie. And it's a shame that even he feels like he didn't get to do enough because I think he was perfect. No, it it is his best his best turn as Batman. And I mean, again, obviously the Joker is the driving force and everybody talks about his impact on the film and rightfully so. But this is as much a Batman movie as it is anything else, I think. I mean, I think he is just as central to the story i mean he, you know it's it's really him and harvey as the the real emotional drive mm-hmm. of the film and, and again it's it's all about the payoff and, and by the end of the film i mean you get that emotional and you know, thematic payoff if you will yeah and speaking of the end of the film i mean given the tragedy that happened with Heath Ledger. Uh, it's hard to watch that final scene between Batman and the Joker nowadays. And every time the Joker hits that line, you and me are destined to do this forever. It just kills me a little bit on the inside that we every never time. got to see a rematch between the two of them. Every time that gets me. <laughs> yep. I remember the theater thing in that too, like, damn it. <laughs> what, what, yeah. What could have been... Yeah, because yeah. they they played off each other incredibly. Like they had chemistry there between them. 
and it's mm -hmm. really present in the interrogation room scene. Oh yeah, like, they perfectly play off each other. And like we were talking about off air, Heath Ledger told Christian Bale to really hit him. Yep. So those are real hits he's taken, and he's still acting as the Joker. It, it's it's just a mesmerizing performance in that scene alone. Yeah, and I from both. Think, of them. Yeah, I, I think that was the first time they were together. Oh, was it? Resurgence. I think that was the first time oh, wow. they were together on on the on the one film. introduction. Hey, Christian, yeah. punch me in the face. Punch, punch me in the face. You know, <laughs> you know more uh, power to him. Speaking of introductions, the Joker's introduction in this film, I mean, the cold open we kind of get at the bank robbery that was debuted like months in advance. Yeah. IMAX screenings. That was like, such a cool thing to go to. <laughs> still epic. Just just a plan. Like having all the thugs take one another out and, and then just the reveal of the face at the very end, taking off the mask. Which, very cool. Like same mask Cesar Romero's Joker wore in I Batman sixty six that, that he took yeah, off to That's reveal his face. Yeah, I loved yeah. it. That's how you introduce a villain, just yeah, like hell that. Yeah, it is. Just like that. Doesn't have to be flashy and over the top. Just pure suspense, drama, and then the reveal. You know, a good thing about this scene too, like <clears throat> once you rewatch it, you know that's him. You could see the quirks. You know, yeah. you could tell this is just a regular guy. There's something off about it. Yeah. <laughs> Am yeah. I the only one who every time I put the movie on, like the opening, I'm trying to I trying to guess which window it is that blows out every time I get it wrong. <laughs> I get it wrong. <laughs> no, no, for me, whenever I'm watching the opening, I'm always waiting for the moment his hair switches from oh, blonde to green. Yeah. <laughs> it, it happens, I think, right after he puts the um the smoke grenade in in the bank manager's mouth. I think that's when it happens. But I always look for that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. It, it's a, it was a fun decision, I, I guess, to keep it concealed that that was a joker. But it, it's also a strange continuity thing. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, for a film that's not a horror movie, it has one of the best jump scares in recent years. Yes. When the mayor is out the oh window looking God, out, yeah. just talking, yeah. the music is calm and almost hopeful, and then boom, dead Batman bangs against the window. Or Mr. That Davis. got me. I jumped in theaters when I saw that the first time. Yeah, that that is a that that is a scary scene. That, the that... music makes it a little bit more impactful too. Yeah, that, yeah, that note hits right when the glass. Oh, it's gets perfect timing. And talking about scary scenes, the scenes right, the scene right after that is just disturbing. Where they're watching the videotape of the mm. Joker taping this guy right before he killed him, where he's like, "Tell them your name," which was filmed by Ledger. Yeah, yeah. like, could you imagine being that guy? I mean, Michael Caine's talked about it before. Like, the people at the party did not have to act when Heath Ledger walked no, in. He, like, you're he just kind of mesmerized him. and like terrified of him. So, could you imagine? Heath Ledger filming that video as the Joker while you're tied to a chair. That's got it. That... That's some scary. That's scary shit right there. Yeah, it really is. Well, it, I was listening to a to uh, Christopher Nolan on another uh, show last week. I think it was the Real Blend podcast, and he was talking about how with the Dark Knight they had to do some creative editing in order to keep it with the PG-13 rating because it's a Batman film and you have to keep it within those parameters. And 
Um, you know, he didn't allude to it uh, or, or you know say it outright, but you you almost get the feeling that there were there were sequences that were shot that were probably more explicit or or or, or graphic, if you will, than what was in the final cut. I mean, certainly the pencil scene is there's some creative camera work going on there to uh, minimize the effect, which I mean, again, <laughs> more 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 power to him because I mean they they certainly held held their you know held their uh their own with it and, and kept it a you know a hard pg-13 at the time. <laughs> one example we know of a difference is uh when that body hits the glass the the, the dead batman it was originally a knife and honestly oh that's right i've seen oh that. yeah now, I was, it was supposed to be a it was supposed to be a knife, a knife in the, the car chest yep. yeah it was, it was a knife um which also goes along with the Joker using knives in the movie. Yeah. But I, I wonder if um, Two-Face's makeup was also an issue because, you know, you look at the end of the movie and it's all dark around them. You don't, you can't see it as well. I wonder if that was part of the, we got to keep it PG-13. He's too grotesque because he, he is pretty gross looking. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. No, it wouldn't surprise me. But you know what? That worked in the favor because you're kind of like, you know, you're trying to, they're trying to pull Harvey out of the shadows at that point. Yeah. So that actually worked for the scene. And I think it, it made him scarier in in a way too because you only see one side of him at a time. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So he's either, it's Harvey or no, that's that's the other guy. That's yeah. that Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my nitpicks is how did he survive that car crash that killed? I know he put a seatbelt on. That seat car on, That's all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He walked away without a scratch. He did. Well, he, he has enough scratches to be. Clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, what else really is he going to go At through? At that point, yeah. <laughs> the only thing he could go through is what happened to him at the end. Right. Uh, if we're talking nitpicks now, this has bugged me since the first time I saw the movie, and it's bugged me every time since. When the Joker lets Rachel f- go out the window and Batman dives after her, there is no mention of how the Joker left the penthouse. If Batman went back up to save the innocent people who are in that penthouse trapped with the damn Joker, <laughs> that he that he's already aware is a complete psychopath. <laughs> and he just, we don't know. It, it, the next thing you see is everything is fine. I get, does the Joker just push the button for the elevator, wait for it to come up and go down without an issue? And the weird thing is there was a scene filmed and it's in the novelization of this movie. Mm-hmm. Why not put that scene in the movie? I mean, it, it would have been like a 20-second scene at most. It's not like it would have added much to the runtime. So I don't know why he cut it. It would have made me feel better. I mean, we've yeah, seen the picture too. of it even. Yeah, It was on was one of the, um, I think it was on the YSOSerious.com viral thing. Yeah, yeah, it's him sitting in the back seat. Right. With a cigar. I think his... Cigar. Pretty sure there's a cigar in his mouth. Okay, I thought he had like prayer hands. It looked like he was thinking. Yeah, I think it was almost like it was like this or something. Or yeah, yeah, he had like a hand thing going on. Yeah, a hand gesture. Unless was, like, another Joker was in prayer or something. Yeah, like, I, I hope that was not Harvey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that's that has bugged me to no end, and I know that's a nitpick. I understand it, but for a movie that's so tightly written. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I know Anthony it, agrees with me. <laughs> um, we'd be remiss, though, if we did not 
also give heaps of praise to Gary Oldman's Gordon. Oh, yeah. Because he is phenomenal in the role as well. Um, just his partnership with Batman. And then at the end, he's become so stressed by the Joker. I always love this scene where Batman's asking for two minutes to go yeah. into the building. And he, and he just it. flips yeah. out. I have to save Dent. Yeah. Like, oh, so good. He's got a gun on Batman. Batman doesn't even care. Like, he doesn't care. He just watches dives on. Yeah. Bro, off. I don't have time for this. Yeah. <laughs> Put your gun back, Jim. <laughs> yeah, take a nap, Jim. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> Gary Oldman. I mean, I mean the man. The man is one of the greats. I mean, and so with him, you're going to get a top shelf performance any day of the week. But yeah, he. I mean, I think this is his best moment as as Gordon as well. I think he mm-hmm. really he gives a, a fantastic performance in this film. And talk about, I mean, I don't want to call it a twist because you know he's not going to die uh, when he gets shot. But it still got me when he pulled off the mask as a SWAT officer who was driving the Joker. And he's like, I've got you, you son of a bitch. Or uh, Harvey Dent, rather. Yeah, that whole scene, I mean, again, I've seen the movie more times than I can count. It's still gets I thought, like, oh shit, Gordon's dead. Like it, it just <laughs> you know, it, it it is so well executed to, you know, for the lack of a better word. And again, it, it it's yeah, it's a twist, but it, it it flows with the narrative. I mean I you know not to not to dig up old wounds, but like in the rise of Skywalker when we think Chewie is dead for like a hot minute and then he shows up alive like not even thirty seconds later, like that. That that's how you. That's not how you do a scene like that. That's not <laughs> how you do a death fake out. You know, like this you, is not good. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah. No, that 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 scene. It always it, it still manages. You know, surprise me all, all these years later, and I think it's just I, I'm so in, in, just in, in, in raptured by the story or something that I just. Oh my God, Gordon's got it. You know, it's like... you know what? Though no wonder his wife left him the third one because that's well, no, it's all crappy the payoff thing to do. is there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like he, he lets her think he's dead for like that was pretty rough. Even the kid, that was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gordon I mean, is not getting points for you know husband or father of the year. You could have. I mean, maybe that's why James Junior becomes what he is. Right. <laughs> I mean, talk about, though, like a, a quiet moment in the film that's like five seconds long, though, when they when the cops go to Gordon's house to inform her of Gordon's death and she shouts out into the night, this is your fault. You brought this on us. And you see Batman in the darkness just looking broken, like crouched mm-hmm. above, like watching this widow be told, you know, watching this woman be told she's now a widow. And it's he feels the blame for that death. Like it's fantastic acting. It, it's like the scene I think that directly follows that when they have the signal on, and the cop. I don't remember if they ever say his name, but he's like he doesn't want to talk to us, and God help whoever he does want to talk to. Yeah. Oh, and then the smash cut to him just beating his way through that club. He's pissed. Vicious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a great scene. I like that cop a lot too. I, th- I think he had a lot of good stuff in this one. 
Yeah, I was always disappointed that he wasn't in the next one. Yeah, I I, thought I was too. Cause I, I don't know if he was meant to be Bullock because we already had um, uh, Flash. Flash. So yeah. Maybe this is supposed to be Bullock, like a friendlier I, Bullock. But yeah, I, I always took him as kind of like yeah a, a Bullock type. Yeah. But well, no, he's and he even gets his hero moment too. Like when the Joker has a glass to his neck breaking out of the police station, they pull the guns. They're like, what do you want? What do you want? It's like, don't worry about me. Just shoot him. Mm-hmm. Like, I always loved that. Like, just these little character beats for some of the, like, supporting cast. You I know, loved. Even, um, now that you mention it, when they're walking Harvey into the SWAT van with the cuffs on him, that's the cop that starts the clapping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like, respect for Batman. Or yeah. if he believed he was Batman or not, he was still clapping. <laughs> I think I think he knew Gordon wasn't wasn't dead. Yeah, because yeah, he was one that checked Did the, he? Uh, the pulse. Yeah, because he I'm, was the one who went to go for the wife that she was a widow. I think that would have been the most believable coming from him. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm assuming he knew, but maybe he didn't. But either way. <laughs> I get I you, what we need to do one day, maybe for the 16th anniversary next year, is do like a commentary track for the movie. Because uh, sign me I up, talk, I, I'll be there. I don't know if I could do that. I get too sucked into too it. sucked in. It, 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 that's fair though. This is a movie that you it's all engrossing. Like I was talking it, about this recently. Like Batman Begins, I've seen more times. Not just because I it's my favorite of the three. I, I you know I, I absolutely love Begins. But also, I could throw Begins on, watch 10 minutes of it, and turn it off. Mm-hmm. This one, I can't do that. Same. I will watch it from any point it's at till the ending. Yeah. Mm-hmm. God help me if I'm flipping the channels on a Saturday or Sunday. It's on. on TNT. Yep. Yeah, and if I have to go somewhere and I've already started it, then I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It can wait until Batman has done what he needs to do. That's right. Silent um, Guardian, watchful protector. <laughs> you kind of touched on one of my nitpicks, Chris. Uh, I just want to bring up, I, I, and I know this is Nolan's style of filmmaking. He likes to put it all in one film, not mm. set up for sequels or anything. I wish there was a little more uh, setup between the films. Like, for example, they could have dropped Harvey Dent's name in Begins, or have mm. that cop show up, like in Begins and rises like just as a cop at the gcpd or have you know talia be a secretary at wayne enterprises in that's the dark the night one. for example i think that's like the big just one. little things like that the cop i could see though because the cop is part of a different unit that gordon didn't have in begins because right. it begins gordon's basically a beat cop that's in, true. in the dark night he's a different so i i get that but i would have still used the cop again in rises yeah, as far as definitely rises. Yeah, like as far as continuity or connectivity between the sequels, I don't know. I, I think that's a trick going because, like you said, it's the way Nolan makes stuff. Even the Joker card, like I said, nobody. There's been stories that he never intended to make a sequel. Yeah, that he just sort of did as like, oh, won't this be fun? You know, the adventure right, continues. The fans will love this. Yeah, yeah, we did. No, we we yeah. We bought tickets and we showed up. <laughs> I think if if memory serves me, Harvey Dent was 
in an early draft it begins again i don't think it was ever developed beyond you know maybe some small stuff but i did remember reading that that harvey was considered at least in the early stages of begins but he he was that's why his character is not on the batman tv show Oh, they were that's allowed right. cross-pollination right. yeah. with the villains, which is why Raish and Scarecrow never appear either. Yeah, hmm. that's the... right. Well, the bat uh, the Bargo. Yeah. That would have been weird to see the Scarecrow in that cartoon. Yeah, that would be I actually something. like what they did in that cartoon, how they kind of made Clayface uh, Batman's friend, like the guy who turned that into was really, Yeah, that was a nice yeah. twist. I like that. I also like their, uh, their Riddler a lot, too. Oh, uh, the Marilyn Manson-looking Riddler? I think, I think, <laughs> not the look, but the attitude. He's much more um, menacing I, and sinister. Yeah, I actually think that show is very underrated. I actually like that show. Me too. But, uh, Same. What did, what's your opinion on um, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal as Rachel versus Katie Holmes? I think as soon as they cast Maggie Gyllenhaal, I knew they were killing Rachel Dawes <laughs> because I figured, okay, Katie Holmes is fine, fine. That's that's about what I'll say. Maggie Gyllenhaal is a talented actress, and so for whatever they had to do in this movie, they wanted a talented actress, so she's dying. I think that she was really outstanding in this movie as the love, not even just a love interest, just as a character. She was really three-dimensional in this movie. Co-sign that. Uh, she's she's fantastic. Um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, not not to you know, not Katie's performance in, in no. begins because it's not like it's it's a a bad performance, but it's Gyllenhaal. She just has such a there's just more weight to her role in this film and and just the way she carries herself in the story the lines hit differently and you know even though it's a recast like i mean it, it works and i think it kind of you know reminds everybody that it is okay to recast a character if if you know if something somebody doesn't want to do a movie or, or situations change i mean iron man 2 i mean you know we know what happened there <laughs> Also, I would say, too, that with Katie Holmes, like, like you said, it's not like it's a bad performance, really. No. But one of the issues with it is she's surrounded by much better actors. Yeah. And I think that was an issue. When you put her with Christian Bale or, you know, Liam Neeson, even old Gary Oldman, Michael Caine, she's not on that level. Is she not on that? Yeah. It's just I, I don't want to be rude, but, you know, it, it's no. it's a different set of talent. No, Maggie fit with, in very well. I agree with everything you both said. My only qualm is I hate the mid-series casting changes. That, so that <laughs> always bothers me. That's fair. But but I love Maggie Gyllenhaal in the role. And uh, yeah, I, her death every time. I mean, I remember the air sucked out of the theater that opening night when Batman walks into the room and it's Harley oh, yeah. instead of her. Yeah. Is it just me though, or did it seem like she thought Bruce was definitely coming for her? 
Oh, she definitely did. She's like, you're going to die, Harvey, and that's okay. It's <laughs> yeah. <that's> okay. <laughs> yeah, she, she, she was all, I know I'm fine. I know. Yeah. Look around for something to break free. Can you get free, Harvey? Because I'm okay. I, I'm I mean, okay. you. when you think about how it's really tragic, because so Bruce was her long childhood friend, her lifelong friend. Uh, they clearly were in love with one another, whether or not they could make it work. She was so convinced he was coming from her for her, and then her last thought is <laughs> he didn't choose me. He went for her. Like that's that. actually really tra- tra- tragic. No, and it, it's another point that just shows this movie had 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 stakes. I mean, I, you would be hard pressed to find a comic book movie before that, and, and even afterwards, where the hero doesn't save the love interest, the friend, like, you know, you could slice it all the, you know, all ways to someday. I mean, Batman didn't save Rachel. I mean, like that, that is a, you know, it's, it's, it's there in the story and it's, you know, they don't shy away from it. Whereas I I don't know many films that would want to take that kind of a risk. Be like, okay, yeah, we're Batman is not going to save the day in this instance. Like, you know the, the the Joker is going to you know, is going to win. He failed in spectacular fashion at that. Yeah, that's right. And talk about another piece of great acting from Krishna Bale in the scene right after, where he's sitting in the penthouse at mm. dawn in the bat suit, the mask in his hand, like, and he just almost reverts to like this childlike state, like when Alfred comes over with his tray of food and it's like. You know, he it's almost like a kid asking his parent, like, did I, is this my fault? Mm-hmm. Like, did I bring this up? It's tremendous acting. And then Alfred giving him, like, being sympathetic, but giving him, like, the truth, like, well, you, what did you expect would happen when you poke the bear, essentially? <laughs> Tough love. <laughs> Tough yeah. love from Alfred Pennywick. <laughs> a, a penny for your thoughts. Um no, I, I always love a scene in a Batman movie where we get to see Bruce outside of the cave and you know, in this particular scene, like, you know, he's there in the you know, in his living quarters and he's in the bat suit or, or or you know, in part of the suit. Like it's just those are nice little details that sort of show that, you know, the character is is one and the same. Like, you know, Batman begins where Bruce Wayne ends and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. I love every shot of Batman without the mask, where he has the rest of the suit on. I yes. love those shots. I'm a every sucker movie. for those. Yeah, those, yeah. those are. Yeah, I think the best one of this series actually rises. When oh, he, when he he gets out of the car. I think it's the car he gets out of, and then, or no, no, it's the the bat plane thing. Yeah, and he goes he, over he, the computer. Yeah, he takes off his helmet, and he's that. That's just awesome. Yeah, I love those scenes. Yeah, that is a good one. That is a good one. Bale just looks uh, great in the suit, though, too. He did. Do you guys like the suit change? I prefer the suit in Begins, the bulkier suit. I do too. I get why they changed it for the so he can move his neck. If Batman finally can move his head, it took five movies. It finally happened. (laughs) But I feel like they could have found a way to keep the bulkier suit and still maneuver the neck somehow. Just make the cowl a helmet like they did. Yeah. That's why I didn't understand. Why didn't they just make the cowl a helmet? 
because because you know in this one or in, in the the dark knight trilogy the cowl is always a separate piece from the cape anyway it's not like like keaton's where it was one thing right except so, and, the flash yeah and the flash yeah. they, they, it was different yeah you could take it off you didn't have to rip it off right rip it off like in return <laughs> right so i didn't understand i i like the begin suit better too but i i also don't hate the dark knight suit I, I personally it. prefer it to the begins suit. The only thing I would change, I, I would have kept the begins emblem instead of the small one. Uh, yeah, but I, I mean, otherwise, I, 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 I almost think I probably prefer this suit to the other one. I think if the bat were bigger, it would actually change my mind because that that is a nitpick of mine. The bat is very small. I, I would have made it gigantic, like right. the, the begins one. Yeah, and especially this, this is actually the Nolan bat, where the other one was not the Nolan bat. That's right. That's right. I I did like um, how they came up with the how they just wrote into the script. You want to be able to turn your neck, like for the suit change. Yeah, it uh, felt like it wasn't just to sell toys. Yeah, yeah. And, and speaking of that, uh, turning your toys and turning your neck. Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox, so good. Always a delight. <laughs> and talk and about the humor. Effect. A lot of the humor comes from him and Alfred. In that scene where he's talking to, um, what was his name? The lawyer that wants to out oh, Reese. Yeah, Reese. Uh, when he's talking to Reese, you want to blackmail this man? Good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> you know, before the movie, everybody thought Reese was also the Riddler. Everybody thought everybody was somebody. Everyone. But, Mr. Reese. Mr. Yeah. Reese. Right. But uh, yeah, no, Morgan Freeman is another. Like, Nolan didn't miss with the casting. And I say that including Katie Holmes, actually. He really didn't miss. No, he really didn't. I mean, it, it is a stacked cast in, well, in every film. He said he took inspiration from Superman the movie, where. Mm. You built, you get all the big names for the supporting cast because Bale wasn't a huge star when he was cast. No. And then you get that unknown you can build up as the main character. And I feel like James Gunn's going to do that with Superman Legacy when you see the rest of his cast. He's going to have more names for the supporting, like his parents and yeah. Harry. Robert Denny Jr. for Lex. Could <laughs> <laughs> happen. No, you, you need that gravitas, and there is certainly plenty of gravitas with with all three of these films, but uh, especially in this one, just the the acting. I mean, it's again, it's it's what you want to strive for in a comic book superhero movie. This kind of, I mean, in, in many ways, maybe that you know, this film set the bar way too high, but. Um, it's definitely something like this is the benchmark. This is where you want to at least meet. Because even the simple scenes, like the small stuff, they just make it all better. Like the small interaction between Bruce and Gordon after he stops the truck and he's in Playboy Bruce mode. Yeah, It's the little things that make everybody's performance in the movie better. Mm. I mean, talk about Christian Bale acting as Batman while out of the suit. He was Batman racing mm-hmm. that car to stop yeah. the truck. Loved even when, it. even um, during the funeral scene, when he he's in he's on the motorcycle and goes up with the or the cops are trapped. Yeah, yeah. He was Batman went out the suit. It works. Yep. Yeah, he blew it. I I'm gonna be that guy and to pick the voice 
and I know that wasn't bail. I know that was post effect type they like, added to it, but I think his voice is perfect and begins. I think they went a little too far for Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I think Re- Rises is worse. I was going to say, rewatching it last night, for some reason, I I thought it was worse than I remembered, mm-hmm. and it, I thought it was I thought it was fine. Like I think it's Rises that is sort of imprinted on my memories like okay that's how he always sounded but like where's the trigger yeah it's 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 i mean it's it there are moments but it's never enough that it it took it away from me it's really only toward the end when he's you know he's been beaten up yeah he's fallen you know he's He's been shot you know he got stabbed he got got beat with a, a Pipe. pipe yeah dogs yeah. attacked him again and he doesn't seem to like dogs no he's gonna think for dogs when dog. he's doing that breathless like i'm hurt but with the voice that kind of distracts me like when it's like the city just showed you <laughs> well, he also had like the bar on his body yeah that's <laughs> right he almost crushed his windpipe i mean right. it's all... like, like I, I can justify his voice in this one Rises, that's a different story for a different podcast where I could be negative Blue Beetle on that too. <laughs> I we'll could be the negative it. Beetle on that also. We'll save that for a future. <laughs> you know, I, it, we talk about the look of the bat suit and Harvey. If I didn't mention this just because I have to, of course, I hate the look of Heath Ledger. <laughs> so, I, I do not like the makeup. I think in motion, it's fine, like when he's on screen. But when I see a picture of it or something, I do not like it. And I, I found myself watching it now in Dolby Vision thinking, his hair's not really even green most of the time. And I know we're getting nitpicky territory, but I just like throwing it out there. Now, can I ask you a follow-up to that? Yes. <laughs> do you find yourself harder on it now because every interpretation since then has tried to mirror it? Mirror no. the caked on makeup no no i remember the first shot you know the the, the black background his face i was like i don't like this and I then there trailer, were yeah. leaked pictures um, that were before that trailer and it was ledger in different poses with a white background i think they were for like merchandise photos yep they, i know exactly get, the ones you're talking about yeah. where i was like okay well that looks cool but he was more pristine the makeup wasn't as destroyed no oh, so yeah. i was like i was like okay this isn't too bad but <laughs> I, you still can't see Heath, which I think is really cool. Like, there's no Heath in this movie. It yeah. is the Joker. But I really wish he was pristine for more of it. See, I kind of liked how as the movie went on, he just got more ragged. I was It works for this version. Well, yeah, I thought it would have been the opposite. Like, okay, he's getting some notoriety. He's gonna, you know, kind of become this character more. Like, the Joker becomes more of himself. But that's not what happens. I almost think, I mean, you know, we'll never know, but I almost think if if there, you know, he hadn't passed on and the Joker returned for another film, you might have gotten more of that in, in in another installment. I mean, it still would have been this, you know, probably the makeup and the in the greasy hair, but I think it might have been a little bit more polished uh, shall we say maybe because i think if we would have saw him again he would have been the judge in rises oh yeah 
I, I think that's where we would have saw him. He, he would have been that role instead of uh, Scarecrow. Or you, or uh, you know, the Bane would have wouldn't have him out of the asylum because he's too much of a wild card. Right, or we would have seen that Bane just leaves him in his cell, which we probably would have got a makeupless Heath Ledger in that situation. That is true. I don't know, but at the same time, who knows what the story would have been? Because I feel like if Heath Ledger survived, the Joker would have been a huge part of. The there was there were so many wild theories about what the third one was going to be before two. Well, actually, while two is filming, there's so many wild theories like. Um, Harvey doesn't get scarred until the last like 10 minutes and it's Joker mm-hmm. that does it. Um, yeah. There was stuff like the Joker's on trial for murder in the third one and that's a whole other yeah. kind of worms. Yeah. And there were so many wild theories. But we got what we got. And I think Dark Knight is nearly flawless. I, I love it. And I've seen it countless times. My opinion has not changed. If anything, I find new things to love about this movie. New things to appreciate. That's mm-hmm. right. That, that's where I'm at, Chris. I, I just when I think I couldn't love this film anymore, I watch it last night, and it's like, okay, well, I, I'm back in 2008 again. It's like, yeah, we go again. I don't know about you guys, but every time I watch it, it's like rewatching it for the first time. It yes, yes. You just get sucked into it, and it everything is new again. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those ones like. If it comes back to theaters, I will go out of my way to go see it. And be oh, yeah. see mm-hmm. I'd love to see it again in full IMAX. Like if they remaster it for full IMAX, I'd love to see it again. The, uh, the 20th anniversary is coming closer, so you know, that'll be a... Yeah, here's um, open. That's, I mean, I, you know, it's not like they haven't done it in the past. There's been a few, you know, kind of uh, limited re-releases in, mm-hmm. over the years, so I... I, I'm hopeful we. I, I hope we get all three again. I was saying, I would actually, if they would do all three in one day, I'm there. Yeah, yeah. Sign I did that for the Dark Knight Rises, like the oh, they, lead up they to it. They have that, yeah. They premiered the Dark Knight Rises at midnight and showed Batman Begins in the Dark Knight right before it. That's probably really fun. Oh, that's fantastic. It was very fun. I would definitely do that. And the, the amazing thing is, you know, altogether, that's probably like nine hours. It's <laughs> just under nine hours. But like those films are so meticulously paced, it did not feel that way at all. That's just a good time. Yes. That's, that's a, lot a of great day, a great day of Batman right there. That's some quality Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Two and a half quality movies. That's <laughs> well well played, Chris. <laughs> Did we have anything else to add uh, on the uh, on the film? Okay. I I mean, again, I could we could break down, we could go scene by scene and rave about every scene and every acting choice. Uh, this movie is is perfect for the most part. Nitpicks aside, it's a ten out of ten. It will always be a ten out of ten. This is a Batman and comic book movie to beat. Yeah, it's it's my favorite Batman film, favorite comic book film, and it is my favorite movie uh, of all time. Uh, no, no question, favorite movie. And any chance I can talk about this film, uh, I will do so. But I even I know enough to to hold to hold myself back because if I if I don't restrain myself, we'll be here for the rest of the night and future episodes and Patreon episodes, and we have to be fair to people's ears. 
You know, it, yeah, and it's funny because I know that we we zipped around topics a lot tonight, but it, just because we we love this movie so much, it's hard just to zero in. Yeah. So we zip around a lot. It's a good time. But let us know your uh, your favorite scenes, your favorite moments. Does this film hold up for you fifteen years later? This will be a good a uh, good good point for interaction on uh, on social media. So. Hit us up in the comments and let us know your thoughts on the film that uh, many consider to be one of the greats, uh, one of the greatest of all time. But I think we'll uh, that'll be all for now on the Dark Knight. I'm sure we'll return to uh, the other two films in this amazing trilogy at some point uh, down the road. But uh, gentlemen, uh, this was this was a blast. This was a pleasure as always. Uh, where can folks find you, Chris? Give some uh, give some plugs. Before that, is one thing I wanted to mention. Yeah, go right ahead. We got time. Yeah, no, we got time. Um, so on the Gather the Geeks Twitter, I asked about uh, Dark Knight reactions and what was your experience like. And I forgot to mention this earlier. A mutual listener of ours named Chris, he also did the the midnight showing thing. Where and it's funny because he mentioned the, that he had to go buy the tickets to at lunch. Because there was no online, obviously. <laughs> That's what he tweeted. I just wanted to mention. I thought it was fun. <laughs> you guys can follow me on Twitter at that Chris Seven Zero. Please follow this show, which the guys will get you the plug for that. And also, I would love it if you'd follow the other show I do with my buddy Emmett Davis over at G of the Geeks on Twitter. You can follow yeah. me at Tissa Podcast at Tissa Pod on Twitter and Instagram. The podcast that keeps the Christmas spirit alive, 365 days per year. Uh, now's the time you want to start listening because we're in that downward slope, as I mentioned earlier. So lots of good stuff coming up. Um, you know, we're about to hit TV month and cover classics like King of Queens and that 70s show and stuff like that. So check us out. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you can follow me at Phil at the movies that's the show i do every week that is for the love of movies you can also follow me on my personal twitter which is phil cast movies and of course we'd love for you to follow this show which is dc unlimited you can also follow us on instagram and email as well all that information will be in the show notes but as always thank you for tuning in and uh letting us reminisce about this uh incredible masterpiece of a film us on instagram twitter and the likes uh all the information will be in the show notes but thank you as always for tuning in and letting us reminisce about this great movie uh chris anthony gentlemen thank you as always and uh we'll catch you next time